Welcome to Inside Parliament. It's our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering on One News. We're coming to you from the legendary Beehive studio. I'm Jessica Much-Mackay. And I'm Benedict Collins. Now, I feel like we need to start this off um, with a little bit of a disclaimer. Um, Benedict has just come back from the dentist and um, he can kind of speak and kind of <laughs> get sentences out. So... Hmm. Um, it's going to be, us, yeah, it's gonna be a little dribbling. bit interesting. Yeah, yeah. If the dribbling gets out of hand, um, that's why. Um, and, but it might also be because of the chocolate caramel slice. Um, Mikey Sherman very um, unfortunately had to leave early to catch an earlier flight than expected. Mm-hmm. But she did do some baking for us, so we thought we'd give her a little bit of credit for that. Um, pits and peaks. Shall I, do you want to start? Let's test your speaking. Yeah, okay. Hey, I think my um, peak for the week was seeing um, the gun law um, finally pass its third reading and sort of watching the politicians all coming over to congratulate the, the Prime Minister and the Police Minister, you know, getting this bill through, getting these, you know, or at least passing the law um, to ban these weapons and, and really seeing that sort of cross-party support to get these, you know, uh, killing killing machines, you know, out of New Zealand, I thought was pretty cool. It felt like it was a big moment. You know yeah. how you had those kind of historic moments here at Parliament? It mm. definitely felt like that. Yeah. Um, one of, I had two peaks this week. It's been a good week. Um, one of mine was also seeing the um, signing, the, the um, Governor-General has to give the final stamp of approval um, for any pieces of law. And it's really unusual for us to be allowed to go and witness that. And um, unfortunately, it was our late news reporter, um, Andrew McFarlane, who got to go and do that and see that because it was quite late to the six o'clock news bulletin. Yeah. But seeing those, I was very jealous of him, seeing those pictures was really cool. We, we don't get to see that very often. We don't get to witness that stage in the process. So that was really good. Mm. My other peak, um, I was filling in for um, Corin Dan this week on Q&A and um, did an interview with Chris Hipkins and um, really enjoyed it. I felt like I got quite a lot of information and um, I'm sure he felt like he got his point across as well. And it was just good to be back in the studio. Haven't done Q&A for a year or so. And it was, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was good fun. Good to do something different. Cool. And I guess my pit for the week would be actually from last week when you weren't here to tell us all about your trip to China with the Prime Minister. No, I wasn't do you want to give us a quick <laughs> do you wanna give us a quick rundown on how it all went? Yeah, it was really good. Um we're actually gonna talk about it a little bit later um on down the track, but I um I just think it was a really interesting trip. I'd never mm. been to China before. Um I kind of figured that at some stage as political editor would I'd get to go. It was fascinating, it was really interesting. Um I love all of that stuff, that whole pomp and ceremony and going to the Great Hall of the People, that's my jam. Like, I love yeah. that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And um, it, it was really interesting. Um, it nearly killed us. It was She was just on the ground for such a short amount of time and you kind of, she leaves to go on the plane and you're sort of um, staggering from um, the, the speed at which she's in and out. But, yeah, it was a really interesting trip. So mm. we'll talk about it a little bit. Later I'll save it well. for the podcast. Cool, cool. So shall we... Talk about your, you mentioned the gun laws yeah. just then. Should we Let's, check out this track? Yeah. yeah. These West Coasters agree things have to change. There will be a lot of gun owners that aren't happy about not being able to have a, a gun that holds more than five shots, but I think with what has happened, that we do need some change. There's nothing wrong with uh, people having guns if they've got the use for them, but I don't think there's any use for these military-style things in civilian hands. The guns to be outlawed on display today. More than 300 of these firearms have already been voluntarily handed in. Those firearms are prohibited 
and so I would expect that they are not used. We do have duck hunting season about to be upon us in a couple of weeks and we do need to be able to get that information out far and wide. And while police don't know how many of these guns there are, who has them or where they are, they have high hopes that people will hand over their guns. Well, I expect 100% compliance, frankly. These are law-abiding, fit and proper people. I'm not going to stand in front of you and say 80% is good enough. On the West Coast, they're not so sure. Probably a lot of people won't give them in and I don't know how they're going to deal with that. This is now a prohibited firearm. Details of the gun buyback scheme are still being worked out. If people are concerned about not having the details of the compensation scheme and therefore confidence in it, uh, then we advise them to register and hold their firearms in secure storage until we can make arrangements to uplift them. The buyback information needs to be put out there rather urgently. Uh, it needs to be fair, it needs to be just. Officials have until May to develop a catalogue that will establish the value of the guns. For each model and make, um, there will be specific prices. At Parliament last night, the victims of the March 15 attacks very much front of mind. When I visited the hospitals and the victims, <clears throat> that none of them had just one gunshot wound. I struggle to recall any single gunshot wounds. We've caught a glimpse of the family circles now with an empty chair or two in their household. It is undoubtedly true that this will make uh, New Zealand a safer place. Too many people have been hurt. Today we are drawing a line in the sand. Fixing our gun laws is the beginning. Politicians coming together as they finally passed this legislation. <laughs> But one thing that was really interesting here is, you know, Parliament, they've passed the law to ban these guns, but now the police have to figure out how they're going to get them, um, you know, off the streets. And yesterday at a police uh, conference, they were telling us, you know, they're expecting there could be tens of thousands of these weapons that they have to, you know, basically figure out how they're going to uh, collect them, how they're going to store them and how they're going to destroy them. So they were telling gun owners, look, for the moment being, just register with us, but just store your guns safely. Don't use them because they're now prohibited, you know, don't be tempted to you know go and shoot them off the last few times um and basically wait to hear back from them and i think the police are kind of waiting for the government as well to sort out how the gun buyback is going to work and i think we're going to find out more about that probably next month in may because one of the things that you talked about yesterday was what the police don't want is that big queue standing outside yeah, the police yep. station i thought that was interesting they just don't want people being like oh what do i do with all these guns and bringing them in from the farm or wherever mm. and and lining up and having the police being like no take them home we don't we don't want them yet yeah. so i just think that's a good i think your point yesterday was about being patient was really important yeah uh, also it was quite interesting you said at the police conference they kind of went through the different guns um that are now illegal and which ones are still legal um and you know not being a gun nut or anything like that it was quite a quite interesting to see um and the police tell us oh for, for duck shooters this is actually going to be for a lot of duck shooters you know they're going to have to hand in their shotguns that they currently use because they take more than five shotgun cartridges or um you know so it's going to affect people who you know use them rec recreationally as well i think oh. what the the really controversial thing for the government now is going to be paying gun owners a fair That's price right. yep. because some of these guns are worth uh, you know, $20,000, you know, most of them, yep, they're only a few thousand, but you've got to make sure you're giving people a fair deal so that when they mm. hand it over, I mean, I think you've got to take into account wear and tear, and I think people will accept um, that that it has devalued. But you've also got to not feel ripped off by the government when you're handing over your gun. And doing the right thing, and, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and but I just think it's yeah. important. But for them, they're going to have to hit that right price so that people yeah. do hand them in, you know. 
But I wonder though if it's better to be to give a little to go a bit more generous because let's let's say at the moment the best guess is two hundred million dollars right mm. up to two hundred million one to two is what the government has said. Um, I don't think there's going to be many people who go oh if it's creeping up to three hundred million oh no we don't feel comfortable with that. I kind of feel like it's one of those things that for the for the normal person on the street who who doesn't have. Yep. A gun, they're not going to balk at that at that cost going up a bit. If they, do you know what I mean? I yeah. just think it might be one of those things that politically they're probably smarter to to be really. Hey, and the more you generous. spend, the more guns you've got back anyway. Exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 So I do think it'll be interesting to see how they play that. Yeah. One of the things I'm, I'm not too sure what you think about this, but uh, the, and the police minister has been sort of quizzed on this frequently, is why they're not offering money back for any guns, right? Uh, for illegal guns, for people, you know, who don't have a licence who can bring a gun and, and can't come into the buyback. definitely have an opinion on this. Yeah, How what do you think? ridiculous. So Why? you have an, like, I get a gun illegally yep. and, and use it for illegal purposes. Like, I'm in a gang. And then, oh, and we'll reward you by giving you money for a gun that you're not meant to have, you didn't have a licence for in the first place. But it's I'd, ridiculous. But I'd rather give you 300 bucks, the gang member, and get your gun off you than leave that gun in your hands. I'd rather just raid the property and just take it. You can't be rewarded if you don't do if you're not doing the right thing. That's not how life works. Yeah, I just think the more guns <laughs> you bring in and get off people the better. Yeah, I see your point, but I just think that's so counterintuitive. Like you can't uh, And I think that's what the government thinks too. Yeah. 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 I just think that um that you can't re- I mean, it's like and and then what do the gang members do with the money that you give them? Yeah, but you know I mean it's mean? not gonna just be gang members, right? It might be people with, you know, guns that have been left in a garage or whatever from you know, two decades ago or whatever, right? They and that's fine, but it's of. just if mm. they're not registering it and they're not licensed, like mm. they're not doing mm. the right thing. You know what I mean? I'm very I'm very Indeed. much a stickler for the rules, <laughs> Benedict Collins, so you know that. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> um, mm. but it will be interesting to see how this plays out. I mean, I think we saw that happened with we had Christchurch and it's been what is it's twenty seven days now that since the since the fifteenth of March we saw we had the period of focus on Christchurch and, and everything that had gone on there. We've now almost had the second phase of this focus on the gun laws. And now that that's been signed off, the next phase is is this buyback scheme and implementing it. And I think that's what we'll see play out. Yeah. Probably and then the that second year. tranche of um gun laws yeah. hoping to kind of have a paper Oh, sorry, Bill, I think before Parliament in June. Yeah. Yeah. So I just mm. think it's one of those things that will just um, keep keep trucking along for us later in the year. It's very interesting. Um, as we touched on briefly mm. before, um, I went with the, chi- with the Prime Minister to China last week um, and it was that whirlwind 24-hour trip. Um, but I think what was interesting from that is just the the relief for the Prime Minister of finally getting that meeting with President Xi Jinping. She'd struggled to get that meeting. They'd struggled to firm up the date. It had been cancelled once before Christmas um, because another more important country came in ahead of us. It had been called off. Um, She had to secure this date and the timing wasn't great. I just wonder if if perhaps she she should have gone for a bit longer, if she'd she went for one day, and I think she ticked some boxes mm. um, going on that trip. She did the traditional grip and grin um, with both the premier and the president. But I just wonder if the public would have. I think the public would have understood, given that it was what two weeks out from Christchurch, that she needed to go and do this important thing. Mm. And if she might have been better taking even a small trade delegation with her, and even doing a day and a half or two days there before getting back to New Zealand. And, I mean, hindsight is a 
wonderful thing, but I didn't get a sense around that trip that she, that no one really thought that she should be there. Yeah. What do you reckon? Well, I, I thought it was interesting too to see the Chinese leaders kind of pay, uh, you know, or acknowledge that she was here during a very difficult time, that she'd made the visit, you know, during a very difficult time back home as well, you know, with, with what had gone on in Christchurch as well, paying, you know, tribute to that. But you do wonder, you know, the one-day trip all the way up to China and, and back, you know, is it obviously, you know, you establish relations, you make that trip, but... And yeah, I'm not just saying that just it. because of my jet lag either, yeah, on, that, yeah. on the record. Mm. But I do think that with those big overseas trips, it's obviously the, the formalities, but it's also yeah. the... She was set to take up a large trade delegation um, on the 757 on the Air Force plane. And so she would have, um, you know, they would have been there and they would have had a lot more access to, you know, lunches and dinners and meetings. And that, yeah. it's a really important part of those of those overseas trips. So I just wonder... I mean, she'll have to do that. And, and we are in extraordinary circumstances, but I just yeah. wonder, wonder if that was a missed opportunity for our business. Do you think community. they'll try and reschedule that? And um, try and... They are going to go with David Parker, so he's yeah. going for the Belt and Road Conference later in the month. So a, a trade delegation will go there. And with the greatest respect to our trade minister, it's just different when it's a prime yeah, minister. Yeah, not as high profile, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, I think some will go on that trip, and then I think she'll probably have to do another one maybe early next year. Right. Um, and go again. But mm. it... It was a really, yeah, it was it was really fascinating, um, and um, cherry blossom season over there too, which made it very pretty to drive around. What we got to see of Beijing, which was very short in that very short time frame, but mm. um, Adam has dug out a really interesting track from Muldoon's visit to China in 1980. Now it was the second visit to China um, that New Zealand ever did. Um, in 1976, he was the first New Zealand Prime Minister to visit China, um, but that's been a bit of a challenge getting out of the archives, apparently. So this is the second visit. So take a look at this very interesting clip. It's been four years since Mr Muldoon sat down with a frail old man in Peking's Great Hall of the People. Mao Zedong was dying, and with his death, China surged headlong into two bewildering crises. But with the new decade, China's ready to start again. Enter again Robert David Muldoon, the last Western leader to see Mao alive, the first Western leader to meet the new man running China, Zhao Ziyang. For Mr Muldoon, the changes to the China he visited four years ago were apparent even at the outset of this trip. This was to be the first of the relaxed welcomes. Four years ago, he arrived at night, in rain, to a crowd numbering tens of thousands. In fact, it was a change born of sheer necessity. Official parties are being wheeled through a sort of diplomatic cook's tour of China by the dozen these days. <laughs> Gone are the days of the massed welcomes. These days, several classrooms of children clutching bunches of plastic flowers fit the bill just as well. Mr Muldoon was to meet the architect of many of the changes going on in China, both now and those projected for the years ahead. Deng Xiaoping was in disgrace when Mr Muldoon last visited Beijing. I've always regretted that we did not meet on that occasion. <laughs> Deng is regarded as the power broker of the new China, the man responsible for the new surge forward. What I thought was really interesting there is um, the access that the journalist had to Tiananmen Square um, when that was obviously before 
the events that took place there. Mm. And going back this time, we went and we had to be x-rayed going through. Um, we were allowed to take phones, but you could see people were quite edgy. As you're coming into the square? Yeah. So oh, really? As, yeah. So okay. as you're going into the square, you're not allowed in there. Like, it's a tourist attraction, obviously. Yeah. Um, but you have to go through security. Um, there are cameras everywhere. Yeah. Um, my cameraman, Phil Melville, was just pointing out. He was just like, look at all. Of, like, we were just monitored the entire time you're walking across the square. Um, there, so it's just it's interesting to see what it was like then and what it's like now. You would mi- never in a million years be allowed to take a camera, like a, a television camera, there. Oh wow! Um, right. We couldn't, we couldn't, so we went with our phones. Speaking of all the cameras that you saw and stuff um, uh, over there and, and surveillance and that, did the you know fate of the the Uyghurs over there come up much? Yeah, it did. So there were um, quite a few uncomfortable topics that the prime minister addressed. So. Um, the Uyghur people, I think we now expect our prime ministers to bring that up yeah. with with them. That came up. Huawei, obviously, came up. Um, and also um, China's influence in the Pacific and security. So it wasn't a... You can see why the trip took a little while to set up. There's lots mm. of quite <laughs> sticky issues. Um, and the... And, you know, you, we can never know what manner the Prime Minister addressed those in. Or, yeah, or how forcefully they actually rise, yeah, uh, but, raise these issues when yeah. they're in private, right? Yeah. yeah, but was raised and yeah. ticked off the list. And, you know, that's that's what we expect of them now. So whether that will make a, a real difference or not from little old New Zealand mm. raising it, probably not. What it does is it adds to the voices that that um, raise it with them and the pressure mounts and you can't, you know, that's not what the president wants to be hearing in these bilateral meetings. So it's yeah. it's just another, it's another little bit of pressure adding on. So, um, yeah, I, I, oh gosh, I would love to be a fly on the wall. I would love to just stay in those <laughs> meetings sometimes. Eh? We get to go in for the first couple of minutes and then they kick us out for all the interesting stuff. Before they've said anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, too, too although strong. he did say a really interesting thing when we were there, saying, "Look, you need, you know, if we're going to have a future going forward, you need to learn to, need to, learn to trust us." So right. I yep. thought that was quite, in terms of international diplomacy, interesting. I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, um, that he chose to say that when the media were all there and were present. So sending a message. Yeah, yeah, yeah and keen to do that, but. Yeah, if I could just be a fly on the wall for some of that stuff. Maybe around this place too. I think it would be good. I need an invisibility cloak, like from Harry Potter. That's what I need, just to be able to sneak <laughs> yeah, into things mm. and not sneeze or cough. Um, shall we talk about, shall we go to the next topic? Yeah, let's have a look at this. This was a pretty interesting story um, we did earlier this week. Arriving at Parliament, Nationals women MPs clear they'd not been contacted for the culture review not the MP at the heart of the Jamie Lee Ross affair. No, and look, I, I can't talk about that at the moment. Nor the MP, Simon Bridges, described as useless. No, I haven't. Obviously, don't you know, fit the profile. That's a bit odd, given that you are a woman in the National Party. Oh, yes, but um, I've never been a victim. Even um, well, the party's top did, women. Yeah, no, um, I wasn't interviewed for it. No, I'm not uh, involved in that. Nationals blokes in the same boat. I know nothing about it. Nah, no, I've got no idea. No, I don't think there's been any findings yet. Simon Bridges ordered the review six months ago after several women complained anonymously about Jamie Lee Ross's behaviour. I want to make sure 
women and national, both here in Parliament and in the wider party, feel absolutely safe. Apparently the review was completed several weeks ago, but Mr Bridges hasn't seen it. As I've asked for an update and I'm sure we'll get that in due course. Who's doing that review? Um, you don't want to ask the President about that. All of those are specific issues. Let's wait till we've finally signed off on it and then come back with it. Why do you have to sign off on it? Well, because we have a process. So we have a six-month investigation into the National Party's culture that didn't interview its MPs, carried out by people the party isn't willing to identify, and with conclusions the party isn't willing to reveal. The National Party did once over lightly of their culture review. They were trying to move it on because they wanted to protect the current leader. That was a fact-free inquiry by the sound of it where women were concerned. Not a lot of light shed today on whether women are safe in the National Party. Yeah, so look, half a year ago, Simon Bridges, in the wake of the whole Jamie Lee Ross spat, um, you know, said he, he absolutely wanted to make sure that the National Party was safe for women. That was after, you know, numerous staffers, uh, you know, an MP, you know, had all gone to a media outlet and sort of complained about the behaviour they were experiencing, the harassment and the, you know, the affairs, I guess, that had been going on with Jamie Lee Ross. Um, so six months later, it was kind of interesting, um, you know, with Simon Bridges having said he wanted to have this review of the culture of the National Party, to um, go and start asking their MPs outside Parliament as they walked in, um, uh, you know, exactly what had gone on with this review, and, and none of them knew anything about it. Why do you think that was? Because it didn't take place, or because? Well, I yeah, I I know some people sort of question whether any proper review whatsoever has happened and you know you you saw in that track when we were talking to Peter Goodfellow he, he was like oh, I'm not going to tell you who did this review I'm, I can't tell you what they've found oh hey and we've had it for several weeks and we haven't even told Simon Bridges about it yet I mean, there's pretty big question marks I think over what if anything the National Party actually did here I think it's one of those things that when you have really serious allegations like that coming mm. up you've got to make sure you are addressing them and being seen to address them. And you would think that talking to your um, your MPs, but particularly your female MPs um, yeah. in the caucus would be um, 101, you would, you would imagine. And a lot of the people that you spoke to said they hadn't been talked to as part of this review. And it just seems like that um, not doing those one-on-one -on -one interviews or not you know, having a platform where people can come forward and share what they think um, seems like it's not being done properly. Um, and even yeah. those basics. Well, yeah, or even for Simon Bridges, you know, six months ago to be saying, you know, it was he wanted the review, he wanted to make sure that women were safe in the party, and you know, and yet doesn't know who did the review either, just doesn't know what it found, hadn't been briefed on it, you know, doesn't, you know, I wonder whether it was just something you say on the day to make it look like you're addressing addressing the issue, and then kind of lose interest in it. Sure, but but if a leader of the opposition says it, you then have to go and do it. Well, that's, that's right, the, that's you know, right. That's and, and, and what I'm happens not, when you're the leader and, and, of a party. And it's really unclear whether or not they did. I yeah, um, it'll be an interesting one to see what comes out of it and what and what they make public and what they release. I know that um, Labour, when they did the review into the... Um, into the Labour camp, yep. um, as well, it was really... How it took a while to get all of that information and things like that out as well. Like mm. I think the parties tend to guard things um, perhaps a little bit more closely with that, and and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and how that how that tracks over the next few months. Yeah, it'll be good indeed. Hmm. All right. Well, shall we? Shall we have a quick chat just about what's coming up next week? Um, it's recess next week, so yep. lots of the MPs have gone off on their 
um, Easter, you know, Easter break. They will be working next week. I shouldn't make it sound as though they're going off on holiday. But um, a lot of MPs around the place have been saying, you know, have a good Easter break. And it's like, still got a week to go. But yeah. they, they go back next week. Uh, sorry, they leave now and, and we've still got one more week to go. Um, we've also got Anzac Day coming up as well. And that is set to be very different this year mm. um, next Thursday. So it'll be really interesting to see. Are you going to go along? I may do, yeah. yeah. I'm, I haven't, haven't thought that far ahead, really. Oh, Just yeah. take it one day at a time. Yeah, um, yeah, with your yeah but it is interesting, eh, with the, um, you know, a lot of the um, commemorations being merged mm. together so that the police can provide, you know, adequate security yeah. across the country. Yeah, I'll definitely go along to probably the Wellington right. one here. Um, but I think that it'll be interesting to see. Um, and it'll also be interesting for kids there to see their armed presence which mm. is something we don't really see or, that much. Yeah, or even at Parliament this week, you know, yeah. really different security. We've seen, um, you know, yeah. police with semi-automatic rifles inside Parliament as well, sort of almost at the front doors to the yeah. as politicians are going into the debating chamber. Yeah, you know, which I of, think is how it should be, but it's just taken this to make that happen. Like I, I've always felt like it's been we've been pretty relaxed, too relaxed in New Zealand. Pretty blasé. Yeah. yeah, I can think of quite a few sort of security incidents. Uh, around Parliament, you know, which yeah. you kind of think, my God. Yeah, and, and that, what a luxury in New Zealand to have mm. that, you know what I mean? I can see why we did, but I just feel like this is where it should be at now. So it's the new normal, I mm. guess, if you like. Indeed. Well, that's maybe a nice place to leave it. Do you want to do the outro or shall I? You, you go it? for it, Okay, Jess. I'll do it. Yeah. Um, your talking's been really good, though, during the podcast, thank, actually. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been great. Um, great to have you with us. This was Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering on One News. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. It's available every Friday evening on the One News Facebook page. And check us out on your favourite podcasting app.